thank you for joining us for episode 13 of Head Start. This is a weekly podcast to help Liberty's adult and student ministry life group leaders prepare for the upcoming lesson. So as we begin our time together, as we traditionally do, we're going to spend just a moment or two uh, with a get-to-know-you kind of thing. And so uh, the question for the day is, what is something that you are great at cooking? Something that you're great at cooking. Now, we hadn't talked about this ahead of time, so I'm willing to step on out there first, or if somebody else wants to jump on out there. Yeah, listen, I can I can do this one really easy. Okay. Um, you know, when I was in seminary, I had uh, little money and no time. You know, sure. So cooking was really high on the priority list. Yeah. You know, it was pretty yes. much the if you wanted to, to survive, right? Yeah. You know. Uh, so I'll just give you a couple of examples of, uh, there's a long list of things that I can do really well. Okay. Uh, I, yes, <laughs> look at there. Wow. Um, uh, in, in the kitchen, hum- particularly. Humble pie. Uh, uh, yes. I can toast pop tarts. Okay. Uh, wow. I yes. can make a killer peanut butter and honey sandwich. Ooh. Uh, but probably without a doubt, the best thing that I can make is mac and cheese and hot dogs. <laughs> so, y'all go ahead and yeah. at me, and there's my answers. Wow. Oh, wow. That, uh, Culinary genius. He is. It's going to have his own show. Before so Kaylee cooks most of the time, right? I clean the kitchen. No, it's a question. Yes. Uh, you got to know your role, right? Um, so ribs. I like cooking ribs. Mm. Ribs. I'll do a three, two, one method. Uh, so three hours uh, without just bone side down, and then two hours wrapped in aluminum foil with a little bit of uh, apple juice spritzed on there. Yeah, and that. then uh, and then another hour outside so you can caramelize the barbecue sauce that you had in there. Also, sorry, so, wrapped in aluminum what foil? Oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> it was just for you. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a, that's always a fun one for me. Cool. Uh, mine will be deer meat. So we have several ways to um, fix deer meat. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our favorite is certainly the tenderloin, uh, making deer poppers. Yes. Uh, marinate the meat a little bit, and then jalapeno and cream uh, cheese. Jalapeno and cream cheese wrapped in bacon. Yes. Cooked on the grill to about medium at best. Winning. And uh, that's one of the household favorites. Yes, sir. So that's yeah. quality. Yep. I'm going to be much like Brian here. Um, not a lot of c- cooking skill in this this person of mine. <laughs> this uh, person. <laughs> this uh, but I will say, <laughs> last year, uh, throughout the holidays, got into um, cooking homemade cinnamon rolls. Okay. So yeah. uh, got into doing that. We actually gave some out as gifts and... And That's I, cool. I thought they were pretty good. Yes. So I'm going to go with that. The, the baker in the, yeah. at the table. That's good. Good stuff. All right. Well, we're going to roll straight from that into looking at the passage. So we continue in this uh, uh, leisurely walk through the book of Philippians. Um, and this week we'll be looking at Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. So Tim will walk us through this passage as you guys, as our leaders, uh, prepare to guide their group in this lesson. Okay, thank you, Matt. And uh, we're going to look at the uh, gospel advancement. 
uh, the unfettered gospel in verses 12 through 18 in our lesson. And so this comes right on the heels of seeing the heart of the Apostle Paul, one of gratitude, in which he is giving thanks for partnership in the gospel mission with these believers in Philippi. And then uh, the prayer of the apostle. And uh, so right on the the heels of Paul's prayer for them, that their love may abound more and more. Uh, In verse 12, he begins to give a report of his present situation and kind of gives a forecast toward uh, the passage for next week, looking, looking ahead. Uh, for me, verses 12 through 18 kind of have um, two main sections that, that I see. Uh, one, uh, verses 12 through 14, kind of focus in on Paul's attitude toward his circumstances, if you will. He is uh, in prison. Uh, he is not uh, doing his typical thing uh, that he may have envisioned being his visit to Rome, of being able to be that um, uh, open-air evangelist going into the public arenas and proclaiming boldly the gospel. And so we know that, that Paul's heart was to end up in Rome. We know that he <laughs> knew that that was a, a mega center of the world, uh, boasting about a million people. And, and just from his gospel heartbeat and his church planting mentality, he knew that if the gospel can penetrate in Rome, it will literally go to the ends of the earth. Um, Paul wound up in Rome, uh, but it was different than he thought he would ever get there. He was arrested in Jerusalem. Um, He was sent to Rome to be on trial before Caesar. Uh, on the way, shipwrecked, he he was imprisoned. So, you know, the circumstances of how he got there uh, may have been far different than he ever imagined. However, as he begins to give the report, uh, this report, again, is full of rejoicing. It is a good news report right out of the gate in verse 12. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Uh, One thing that we're seeing is that that the gospel is unhindered. God's people may be limited. uh, Even uh, places that we go to school or or work, the gospel, uh, there may be policies that try to limit our ability to share the good news of the gospel. But as we see rolled out in Paul's life here in prison, this gospel is really uh, unhindered. Uh, Paul conveys a positive attitude. He said that basically there are two reasons why he can rejoice as he's in prison. One, people are hearing the gospel. And in, in verse 13, we pick up on that so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard. Now, here's the apostle. He's under house arrest. He's in chains. Uh, some say those chains may have been about uh, uh, extended handcuffs that may have had about 18 inches of chain on them. And so you can kind of get the image. Paul always has somebody to talk to 18 inches away from him. And so even though the circumstances were what we would say uh, adverse, they were not ideal, Paul's mindset is, hey, I may not have ended up in Rome like I thought I would as far as the way that I entered the city, but I'm here. And not only am I here, I can rejoice that everybody that's walked in this room to stand guard over me has heard the gospel. And so 
I'm proclaiming the gospel. Palace guards are hearing the gospel. And here's really is what happens is, is out of the rotation of those guards, however many came and went, some heard believed, and these were elite guards. These were guards that that went back into the palace of Caesar, and some of them may have been even bodyguards. So Paul is rejoicing because he's seeing the gospel advance even through his uh, days as being a prisoner and chained to the guards. But secondly, not only is Paul proclaiming the gospel, he said, the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And so Paul's boldness and attitude of proclaiming the gospel while in prison has actually motivated believers that are in Rome uh, that, that are speaking now the gospel more boldly. And so it, it, it shares to us uh, an idea that one person can make a difference. Uh, and, and we really need to lean into that, I think, in our classes with, with our life group members, uh, that one person in boldness of speech to share the love of Christ and the good news message of the gospel motivates others This is why we're making a big deal last year and this year about spiritual and gospel conversations in life groups. Uh, What we know is we all struggle to be those messengers who go boldly. Perhaps our failure to talk about the gospel to those in our community, to unbelievers, could be tied to a lack of talking about the gospel among ourselves. Mm. And so I really want to challenge our congregation and our staff team, our life group leaders, fan the flame of conversation about spiritual and gospel conversations because it is contagious. And when we have a story that what we would call a win, that I was able to share the gospel, no matter the results, I was able, it does uh, motivate and inspire the others in the classroom. So, you know, for me, uh, Paul is his attitude about his circumstances are really opposite to what we would be doing a lot of times. Um, He could have been totally bummed that I envisioned coming to Rome and going into these public arenas with a mass of people around me boldly proclaiming truth. God had a different plan. Mm. It's one-on-one conversation in prison with a guard. But Paul did not waste time complaining or whining or praying to God about why it wasn't fair or not right. Rather, he kept the focus of the mission. He stayed focused on Jesus. And so because of his attitude to be driven by the gospel, circumstances may have been challenging, adverse, great adversity, but the mission did not change. Paul was that messenger who always went uh, sharing boldly the truth. So he ended up in Rome different than he thought he would arrive, but his mission never changed. He's sharing the gospel. How, how often do we end up somewhere we didn't plan on being? Yes. And once we get there, we're like, what in the world? And then with this attitude, this sulking, this maybe even self-righteousness, of how could this happen to me? This is not my plan. But 
And, and uh, certainly that's where Paul was, right? That's not where he wanted to be. That was not his plan. That's right. But he was able to back up far enough and recognize that, that God's got a plan bigger than his plan. And, and so to recognize that and just that picture for us yep. uh, to, to slow down and to recognize that God is in control. True. Yeah. And here I'll throw in one of the measures that is really attached to this lesson. Um, um, the first one, it's how can you be a student? How can you as a student refuse to allow your circumstances to keep you from spreading the gospel? Mm-hmm. Like Paul didn't say, okay, my circumstances are different, so I'm just going to change what I'm doing to try to get those circumstances to match up with mm-hmm. how I think it should be, and then I'll share the gospel. It was like, no, I'm going to. Wherever I am, even if it's in prison, I'm going to be sharing the gospel. So uh, even if we're in a position or a circumstance that we didn't find ourselves in, uh, keeping that main thing the main thing. Right. Um, And staying focused on the gospel mission and keeping your eyes on Jesus is very important. And that's what fueled the attitude of rejoicing for Paul. Um, And, you know, we have divine appointments on a daily and weekly basis. Um, some people may call them obstacles that come our way. You know, maybe we have to go to a doctor's office. Uh, that wasn't on our schedule, but we needed to go. Are there people around us? Is there a nurse that's going to take our vitals? Uh, is there a doctor that we're going to communicate with? Are those divine appointments, opportunities to share the gospel? Our, our car may need to go to the shop. Uh, we we have somebody that's going to do uh, a diagnostic on the car. Uh, we'll be talking to people everywhere we go on a daily basis. We can all improve on recognizing as I go, wherever I go, I'm an ambassador of Christ on mission for him. And so in every circumstance, good or bad, expected or not, we can proclaim the gospel. Secondly, it gets uh, a little more hairy for Paul in verses 15 through 18, but his attitude does not waver. His his attitude toward his critics is, is one of staying focused on the mission, and it enables him to rejoice. He identifies two types of preachers or evangelists that are happening uh, around him. One group is made up of of hypocrites, those who, are, who have impure motives, maybe envious uh, of Paul, perhaps. Um, uh, the other group is made up of empathetic um, evangelists, those who were preaching the gospel for the right reasons. And But regardless of their motive, Paul's conclusion in verse 18, he said, hey, if Christ is being proclaimed, I rejoice. You know, they, these with impure motives were, were throwing daggers at Paul for whatever reason. We really don't know. Uh, maybe it's because of his authority as an apostle. Maybe it's because of the popularity that he has in the city that they are ministering in, and he's in prison. Mm-hmm. And his popularity is, is overshadowing their popularity. Maybe it's the results of the gospel of lives being changed is more fruitful from Paul than from them. And and always, you know, when we get envious and jealous of others, uh, it's real easy to make, to criticize them, to make them smaller so that we will build ourselves up to the people around us. Well, that was going on. And, uh, but what Paul does give us insight in, they still preached the true gospel. 
And so even though they had impure motives, they were saying right things with their lips, but using ministry to elevate self, promote themselves. Paul says, basically, if Christ is proclaimed, in that I can rejoice. God's going to deal with the motives. But then there are others that were preaching out of a pure motive. Um, and so Paul gives us a great example. Don't be overly concerned with what others are saying and doing. Don't be consumed in our church life, in our spiritual walk of trying to measure up to someone else's spirituality. If we think they are stronger and more mature than we are, I mean, examples are good and striving to be who we are in Christ and growing up to be more like Christ. All that is good, but we can uh, be derailed with that mindset by, by even being intimidated or growing envious or jealous. We preachers have a big temptation in that. If the church down the road is baptizing more people than we are, yep. um, then we're going to potentially, by default of our flesh, if we're not careful, pick them apart about what they're not doing right and it, because yep. we're jealous. Mm. Right. Uh, and so some of that was going on here with Paul, but his example to us is is spot on that we need to run away from jealous and envy mm-hmm. and be faithful with the gospel mission that God's called us into and rejoice when there is fruit, whether it's through our ministry or another ministry that is proclaiming the true gospel. And so uh, the message for Paul of the gospel was far more important than him as a messenger. And I think sometimes we elevate ourselves as the messengers Mm -hmm. over the message. And Paul had it reversed. He He could keep rejoicing because it wasn't all about Paul. It was about Christ. And so he spoke that gospel boldly. Uh, he rejoiced when others spoke the gospel boldly. So yeah. through adverse circumstances and even through his critics, mm. Paul still said, I rejoice because Christ is being proclaimed. Yeah. So in a yeah. nutshell, that's kind of my take on it right now. That's good. There are uh, great questions throughout the curriculum for this week and uh, certainly excited to hear the conversations that take place as you uh, journey through them. There's three that I want to highlight. The first one comes in uh, the section there, uh, kind of at the beginning of what Pastor Tim was just talking about, verse 15 and 16. Uh, And that question is this, what blessing do we miss if we compete with other believers rather than seeking to cooperate with them? Uh, I know around the table, one of the reasons that I've heard uh, from these guys, and certainly one of the reasons that I am, uh, Southern Baptist uh, is because of how we cooperate with other yes. churches throughout our country, throughout the world to ultimately focus on the main thing. If you keep up with our, our denomination, you know that we're struggling in that cooperation. And so I think that's a really important uh, question for us to ask. What blessing do we miss if we compete uh, rather than uh, seeking to cooperate? Next, in verses 17 through 18, and there's two questions. They're all kind of along the same lines here because, again, that main point is the the, the jealousy and the envy uh, that's going on when we watch others minister and preach and um, when we see other churches. But uh, the question's asked, how does having 
the love and acceptance of God help us focus on his mission, regardless of the way that other people respond to us. So I think this, it goes back to, if I can even step into the mess, uh, the, uh, the measures area for just a moment, uh, this goes back to being a child of a child who knows God, right? Uh, if you're confident and comfortable in your identity as a child of the father, man, you're not it's worried true. about what's going on with other people and where they're at and how much success they're seeing. And I remember, uh, I played sports growing up. Um, and I just remember what it was like as a kid to walk off the field. And if my coach said something to me that stung, that comment was out the window. If my dad said something to me that encouraged, right? right. Good. And I think that we can all connect with that. Uh, just knowing the, the power and the, ex, uh, the power of the acceptance of our heavenly father. Uh, the last question that I think would be good to bring out, um, is, is, is the last one on page 27 of your curriculum. Why can we trust God to deal with the wrong motives that other people may have? Um, and I would even press it maybe a little bit further. What does it look like to trust God to deal with the wrong motives that other people uh, may have? Because that can be really hard. Uh, you know, so often it looks like the wicked get away with whatever they want to get away with. Uh, it looks like the people who don't do things right are the ones who succeed. You know, the gospel is a little off in that church, but man, they're blowing and going, right? Uh and so it, it can be hard for us to trust God, but what does it look like for us to trust him, uh, you know, to deal with, uh, with, with the wrong motives that other people may have? Yeah. Good word. And I think we have to be careful to guard against uh, uh, taking it upon ourselves to uh, expose and vilify the uh, people we think uh, are different. Um, right. And, um, you know, there, there are places for conversations, but God's not called us to be sinful or ugly in our behavior mm-hmm. and in order to expose. And I, I think that's an area we in social media life, we need to really guard against as believers and always speak positive uh, for the sake of Christ. Yeah, that's right. Um, perhaps one of the best ways to get away from that is to concentrate on what God has called you to do and not what he hasn't called you to do. And that's where our live it out points really come in and help us with this first, the first one, evaluating your own life and seeing what excuses you really allow to control you not sharing the gospel uh, and committing to stop making those excuses. Uh, So get on with the work that God's called you to and leave the rest in his hands. And then the last one is really in line with that and reaching out to that person that last week you started praying for um, and start checking in with them, encouraging them. Um, Again, being purposeful with those relationships that you're wanting to invest in for uh, gospel transformation. Uh, And so that really uh, is enough for us to worry about in our daily lives. Uh, The others and what other people are doing, that's really not uh, our concern. It's a good word. Yeah. Well, as we think about um, um, where we are in you know, in the month of August, we've uh, wrapped up the first two Sundays in this sermon series in Philippians. It's likely as life group leaders that you've seen some, uh, potentially some new faces in your group. You're seeing uh, more folks on campus, and that is 
That is really great, and we celebrate that. Uh, I want to encourage you as life group leaders to be certain to uh, to touch base with our visitors, to touch base with those uh, in your group, and encourage them to continue uh, to continue to to be present and worship with us and and be in group on Sundays uh, and connecting with that live it out. Um, we. Uh, e-groups are uh, in full swing now uh, and connecting with our Live It Out that is in the lesson this week. getting rid of those excuses for why we're not sharing the gospel. A good way to do that is to participate uh, in the Bless uh, E-group. Uh, I think that the fellows covered uh, the B, which is begin with prayer. We, we uh, did, yes. And, and we're going to continue on. You know, the, the greatest insight I had in, in last night is one of the members said they signed up because they felt sorry for me on Sunday. So uh, we have room for more to feel sorry for the pastor and come to the evangelism class. Yes, yes. Whatever the motive. Whatever on, it is. Right. Whatever the motive. I can appreciate that. Uh, so I have the privilege of leading the prayer uh, e-group, and would, there's room for uh, in there as well. And certainly Kyle would say there's more room uh, for the marriage e-group also. So we encourage you, life group leaders, to uh, urge to motivate, to challenge, to double-dog dare uh, your group to participate. It's not too late to sign up, uh, and we'd love to see you guys uh, in any groups on Sunday. Hey, thank you so much for being a part. Or Wednesday. Wednesday. Or Wednesday's a good time for e-groups. Yes, it is. Uh, (laughs) Thank you so much uh, for being a part of the podcast, and we look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Sunday's coming.